Well, I don't even know what to say after a song service like that this morning. I it just, my heart is just so full. I, I wish I could just come down here like twice a month to just get a shot of that. That's amazing, amazing songs. Thank you so much, worship team. I, I'm so blessed, so blessed. I don't know if you know what you have, but I can be in a lot of places before I experience this. And uh, would you just have me back every once in a while so I, I could just come and, and get a shot of this? Um, isn't God good? God is, God is just so amazing. I just have to say, though, a few times I had a hard time singing because I had to keep wiping the tears from my eyes. Just God is so amazing. He is absolutely amazing. It's so good, good to be with you folks. It's been a little while, and I, I missed you. <laughs> and uh, I went ahead and put this on your chairs. You may be wondering, how could I afford to bring 120 catalogs to leave for you? Well, can I make a little confession? Word of Life's printing a new one, and I've got to get rid of these. <laughs> so I had three boxes in my office, and I said, you know what, I know who will take this and won't grumble or complain, Alfred Allman. <laughs> they love us. And uh, just to say a word about Word of Life, it, is, it actually is a really, really nice brochure, and I hate to throw them away, but I'm about to throw some away. And uh, if you would at least look at it before you throw it away or use it in your fireplace to start a couple of fires, um, it is a very, very nicely done brochure, but Word of Life is coming out with a new one. Uh, a couple of things about our ministry. If you glance through the pages, uh, it shows Word of Life camps fairly near the beginning. And Word of Life camps, we have a whole new marketing program. And Launch Your Faith is what our camps are all about, our youth camps, our Florida camps. And, uh, and then a little bit deeper in, we talk about the Word of Life Bible Institute. And I don't even know what page number it is because some of the page, I think it's page 19. Uh, the Word of Life Bible Institute is all about deep in your faith. And I love the fact that students can go up uh, to the Word of Life Bible Institute, some of the best professors, um, not only the ones on campus, but we bring in some of the best men around the world that are so good with particular books, and they speak on that book. And uh, I just wrote Word of Life this last week, I kid you not, and I said, you know, someone is about to uh, speak, uh, actually they just spoke on Ecclesiastes, which is one of my favorite books in all the Bible. And I said, you know, as one of his staff members, I said, could I, could I get a copy of those notes? And because I love the book, and I, I love every time someone speaks from the book. And um, so they, they did send me a link, and I'm, I just got to tell you, it, I didn't, as a student, I didn't know about Word of Life Bible Institute, so I didn't go there. I wished I had. Um, it's a great, great place to go. And if you have any young people interested in going up there for at least their first year of Bible school, uh, I have scholarships available that would be more than happy to give them out. You go a little further in the book, and it talks about LCM. That's the department I'm with, Local Church Ministries, and that's Grow Your Faith. Uh, our quiet times and our curriculum and all of that is all about uh, discipling young people, whether it's children and Olympians or teens in the student clubs. And then Word of Life International Ministries is all about share your faith. 
And we're in, uh, I, I don't even know the exact count, where it's over 60 countries. They, they tell me a few of the countries we're not even supposed to talk about because it could endanger them. But amazing ministry around the world that Word of Life is engaged in. And then a couple more pages is all about our events, and that's Refresh Your Faith. Uh, and we uh, specifically work with engaged, uh, all, um, like the old teens involved. Uh, Reverb, which is the old Super Bowl, we've given new names to our events, but it's all about being able to take your friends uh, to an event where they can hear about Christ. And whether they accept Christ at that event or just ask a lot of questions, it gives you an opportunity to follow up with those students and, and make sure they understand uh, what the evangelistic message was all about. So that's a brochure that I'd like to, to leave with you. It tells you, it really gives you a good overview of Word of Life if you're not real familiar with it. And um, we want to thank you so much for your prayers and for all that uh, I was asked to give a, a quick update on our ministry, and I'm glad to do that. But this, this was one way of doing that, letting you know about Word of Life. Um, Jamie and I, personally, we are doing really, really well. Uh, God has uh, given us so many opportunities this last year. Uh, it's, I just got to tell you, it's a bit overwhelming. I've been with Word of Life 28 years, a youth pastor seven years before that. Uh, you would think that by now you pretty much have a handle on what you do, uh, but I just have to tell you, it, it's still overwhelming. Uh, we get a request every week. Um, I, I never get everything done in a week, and so it, it, it's sometimes stressful. Uh, I have huge burdens. We work with about 22 churches, specifically with clubs, 34 clubs. That's stressful at times, just being honest with you. Uh, every church that we go to, I'm in a different church every week, every church has a bucket full of problems, issues, uh, controversies. Often I end up in the pastor's office, uh, sort of like back in school when you ended up in the principal's office, and that was usually bad news. Uh, well, in this case, it's, it's, I'm there just to be a friend, uh, to pray with the pastor, sometimes to hear him talk about what he's facing. Uh, I don't think there's any church that we work with that, that has it easy. Uh, ministry is hard. Uh, church life is hard. Uh, and we're working right now with, with several churches and just going through uh, some deep waters. Uh, so that's a challenge. That's why I've been my quiet time and in the scriptures a lot. Because uh, every week I don't know where I'm going to be exactly until that week unfolds. And I never know what God's going to put on our plate. And so even after 28 years, I, I still, every year, have to get on my knees and say, God, help me to be what you need me to be today, uh, this week. And so please continue to pray for us. Last week, I was supposed to be on a really huge project up at Word of Life. I can't even tell you about it, but it was a big project. I had such a, a bad cough uh, that lasted for like three weeks. Um, and, and so I told him, I said, there's no way I can come. I said, I will annoy you to death. And I said, in fact, you wouldn't even let me in the same room with you. So I said, I'm just going to stay home. 
Well, thanks to technology, I'm not sure I really mean this, thanks to technology, they decided to Skype me in for the whole week. And so I was on a phone conference call the entire week because I could mute it whenever I started coughing. And it was, it was a long week, just from some days from 8 in the morning till 5 at night, brainstorming, working on this project that was really tough. So I'm a bit exhausted uh, to rest. I went to Albany. We were in a conference this weekend, and uh, so that was my rest. Um, so pray for us. I just want to give you a report. Um, <clears throat> God is amazing, and he gives us the strength to do what he has called us to do. Um, but it, it's good to be with you this morning. I, I kind of feel like this is where I need to go when I need rest because uh, you're such good people. So thank you for putting up with us today. We're doing super well. The events are going well. Our ministry is going good. Uh, my wife is my best partner in all the world. I, I don't know what I would do without her. God has really been good to me. Well, I want to share with you a few thoughts uh, while we have some time. And um, I'd like to speak to you about a subject that has been dear to my heart, and I've been working on this message about 38 years. And it's called My Life Verse. And I would like to challenge each of you. I'm going to share some scriptures with you. But I'd like to challenge everyone here this morning, if by the time we leave... If you don't have a life verse, that you would commit to finding a life verse. And you may have several, that's okay. The scriptures are so powerful. I, I know my wife is part, of the, is part of the one responsible for keeping me um, on the right track for many years. Uh, and I give her credit for that. More than that, the scriptures, God has used the scriptures to burn truths deep in my life. Uh, truths like we sang about this morning that were so precious. Uh, one of those songs is my favorite song in all the world. God is, is so good. What is your life verse? What is the, the verse that you come back to uh, when you go through deep waters? When you're sharing your faith with others, uh, when you're trying to make sense of life yourself, what, do you have a life verse and what is your life verse? That's what we're going to talk about today. Just recently, I had the opportunity to take an online course uh, in Genesis, and I did. It was through Dallas Theological Seminary. We never really have a lot of time, but I just love the scriptures, and so I Sometimes it's after midnight, and I spend a couple of hours because that's when I finally get my work done. Um, sometimes it's early in the morning, but I just absolutely love the scriptures. And uh, the Word of God is powerful, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for speaking into every one of our lives this week. And especially this morning, Father, the things that you've laid on my heart, help me to communicate them adequately. And most of all, I pray, Father, that the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and will make an impression upon our heart this morning that we would leave a changed person 
and that we will be even closer to you. Father, at the beginning of this week, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Throughout the scriptures, you find a host of people that can be described by a particular verse or passage or story that summarizes their life. I just finished studying the book of Genesis. Every life, it seems like in the book of Genesis, in many ways, was a masterpiece of how God had worked throughout history to draw men to himself. As I looked at each life and I considered each life, every life was filled with mystery, history, in some cases, a bit of romance, and that was interesting in the book of Genesis. Definitely drama, lots of drama. And as I read through that book of Genesis, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I couldn't help but notice a lot of drama that unfolded. I think of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, and Joseph. In every one of those stories, I mean, we could go, we could go on and on. In any one of them, there's so much drama and, and things that God was trying to do and in, of course, we look in Hebrews, and, and God calls them men of faith, If we, as we look at Hebrews in the, the Hall of Fame there. But life stories, and you can see this all through Scripture, people's lives full of drama. Uh, you know that a good movie um, would be, actually, any movie would be really dull and boring if it wasn't for the drama that, that is put into that movie. Drama something that needs to be resolved or the world is going to come to an end. Most movies move very quickly into some kind of plot that becomes entangled and and so deep that it seems like there's no way out. I mean, you think about it. The next movie you watch, within 10 minutes, you're usually into some plot or some drama that just makes it bigger than life. All through the book of Genesis, that was so true. Abraham, all kinds of... In fact, I made a list here. Adam and Eve. What was the conflict? God placed them in the garden, but he gave them a rule. And I don't think it was very long before they fell and, and they broke that rule. I mean, God gave them so much. But one rule that they had to live by, one rule, and, and it's not very long, they failed the test and talk about drama, sin that affected the whole human race. You could move on, Cain and Abel. What was the story with Cain and Abel? Um, Hate and murder as a result of jealousy. And again, you're not very far into the human race, but it's a mess. And, And the drama is unbelievable. What a movie that would make. Abraham. What was the drama in his life? A man characterized by faith. God called him uh, to follow him. And Abraham, a man of faith, becomes an amazing man of faith. What a patriarch. Willing to follow God and and yet promised to be the father of a great nation, but he couldn't even have a child. Talk about drama and, and what Abraham, how he took matters into his own hands, and that didn't solve the drama. That created a lot more that we're still seeing unfold today. Isaac, um, a man of faith, but yet a man who was uh, surrounded with manipulation and trickery and all kinds of drama in his life. And then, then Jacob, wrestling over position and survival and, and again, manipulating. And, and just his whole life was like a wrestling match. 
Joseph. I, Joseph is one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. Mistreated by his brothers. Jealousy over his position. The fact that he was favored and, and, and yet a dreamer. And, and how much drama his brothers sold him and he, he becomes involved with Egypt and all. You know how the story unfolds. David. A man after God's own heart, and yet a life distracted by Bathsheba and, and filled with fighting and controversy and then hunted by his own son and, and an amazing man and yet so much drama. Mary, favored by God, given a unique position in giving birth to Jesus, surrounded by controversy and suspected of being promiscuous, and people accused her of having a child out of wedlock. And, and all that followed that, Mary was an amazing person, favored by God and used by God to do some amazing things. Every one of these persons lived a very dramatic life, surrounded by life decisions and, and stories that are not without hardship, not without tests, and not without conflict. In the New Testament, as, as you walk with me a little bit, and I think about the New Testament, I think about the Apostle Paul. Every city he went seemed like ended up in an uproar. A man who just loved God and, and wanted to start more churches and, and draw more people to Christ. Of course, his whole life and his conversion started out pretty dramatic. And the, the early church even thought that, that perhaps he's just trying to trick us because he, he had a way of, of routing out Christians in homes and homes. And yet he was truly saved. Barnabas stood up for him and said, this, this is the real deal. You need to trust him and believe him. It's not a trick. And Paul has this amazing relationship with Timothy. Again, two of my favorite books, First and Second Timothy. And Paul confirmed confronts Timothy, counsels Timothy, advises Timothy. Timothy would become his protege, and Timothy would follow in his footsteps. And I can't even imagine doing that. Following a, um, a guy that's not that great is not that hard. But following someone like Paul would be amazingly difficult. And Timothy is a bit timid. He's not made of the same stuff that Paul is. And Paul says to Timothy one day, he says, Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. Paul says, don't let people talk down about you. Don't, don't be intimidated. Be bold and stand up and, and be who God has intended you to be. And if I were Timothy, I think I would have said, Paul, how do I stop people from talking about me? Because that's literally what Paul is saying is, don't let them do this. If I were Timothy, I'd say, Paul, how can I stop other people talking about us all the time? How do, how do, I can't control that. I could just picture this dialogue going on between Paul and Timothy. And Paul basically says, Timothy, yes, you can. That's, that's why he said, don't let anybody despise that youth. Okay, how do I do that? And he says, but be thou an example of the believers. And when you really think about it, that is the way that you stop people from talking about you. You become such a person of integrity that they have nothing evil to say. Even, even your enemy doesn't really know what to do with you. They, you're just beyond reproach. 
And Paul lets Timothy know, well, talk about a life full of drama. Um, I remember one day, life stories, and I, a lot of this is introduction. I am getting to it. What is your life story? I remember having to discipline one of my kids one day, and I, I, I had to kind of straighten them out. It was, happened to be one of my daughters. I don't like to say who, uh, but it was one of my two daughters. And uh, I'll never forget her reaction. She ran upstairs, ran to the bedroom, and I thought, okay, I don't think I'm done yet. And so I followed her up, and I was about to let her know that that's really not, you know, her response to me was not really what I was looking for. And uh, I'm sure you've never been through that. And uh, I went up to the stairs, and I'll never forget what she did. She flopped on the bed, burst into tears, and she said, why do bad things always happen to me? And I, I hardly knew what to do. <laughs> it's like, you know, I knew her attitude wasn't quite where it should be, but I thought, how many times have I thought that? Talk about Murphy's Law, you know what I mean? What she said, I thought, I thought that a hundred times. How do I discipline her? Why do bad things always happen to me? Why do believers seem to go through things like this? The point is, our lives are full of drama. You absolutely need the scriptures in your life. You need to chase after God. You need to, as, as you read the Bibles, you read scriptures, look for verses that, that, where God just wants to really change you. And, and identi- help you identify not only who he is, but who he's designed you to be. I, throughout my life, um, our, our lives are full of drama and um, challenges, tests, conflict. And God wants to strengthen us. And, and bottom line, really from the time that we're young people up, God really wants to take ownership of our lives. He really wants to be boss. And if we would let him have that rightful place, the conflicts and the test and the challenges all, would all make sense. I, I can just promise you. And bottom line, if we don't give ownership of our lives over to God, then we're going to watch a world perish without the good news of a Savior. Because I believe, bottom line, and, and this is a missions day, that, that that's what our life is all about. God wants to use you, and he wants to use me to bring other people to him. And so I ask again, what verse best describes your life story and your purpose of why God has put you here on earth? Most of us are going to be known for something what is that something? How do other people see you? And, and sometimes the answer to that is different than what we may think. Our life can become such a huge encouragement and inspire life change in other people. Several years ago, I arrived in a city to speak at an event, and a large man came in and saw me from down the hall, and, and he came in and he said, oh, it's you. And I thought, <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or cry. And he said, I, I can't believe it's you. And I'm waiting for him to explain what he's talking about. This was a big guy. And he says, I just can't believe it. He says, you don't know this, but you literally saved my life. 
And of course, I know enough about the scriptures. I'm, I'm about ready to correct him and say, no, maybe God did something. But he said, no, no. He said, God used you in, in ways that you have no idea. And I said, you're right. I, I remember you from such and such a conference. And he said, yeah. He said, God turned my whole life around just because of, of something you said. It pointed me back to the scriptures. And he, and he said, my life was headed in a really bad place. And he said, God really spoke to me. It really made some huge changes in my direction. And I can point back to that occasion. Let me share with you some examples of life stories, two very quickly from Scripture, and then two personal examples. Examples of life stories, what I'm talking about. One of the first ones that comes to mind is Daniel. You don't have to turn there because I'll be gone quickly. But in Daniel chapter 1, a verse that I have underlined and has just jumped off the pages in my own personal studies. You know the story of Daniel. Daniel was taken captive, exiled from Jerusalem, forced to live in a foreign country, to be educated by the best of the best in a pagan world. One of the best stories, I think, in the Old Testament, Daniel was pure gold, devoted to God and committed to living in a very dark place, but hanging on to some very strong beliefs and some very strong convictions. And I think his life verse is Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And the story starts there. And, and I could spend the rest of the morning there. Daniel, I, I think it's his life verse. He purposed not to defile himself. Maybe that's your life verse, that living in an ungodly world that you've decided to be pure and to be right before God and before your neighbors. I could take you, in fact, if you would, turn to the book of Luke. I would like you to turn to Luke. I want to show you another life story in Luke chapter 2. The first one was a man, Daniel. The second one is Mary. In Mary chapter 2, if we could pick it up in verse 15, Luke 2.15, it says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, verse 16, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all these that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. I believe with all my heart there was so much going on, so much drama, so many amazing things that people were talking about all of this and what does all of this mean? And they weren't really sure. But I, I see Mary's life verse in verse 19, or at least one of them. It says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I think Mary knew a lot more than we give her credit for. I, I, some days, I believe she was a very young girl. I believe some days she's one of the people that I want to talk to and say, Mary, how did you do it? How did you get through those days? I believe she knew a lot more about what, what God was doing in the life of Jesus. I mean, obviously she knew that Jesus was of the Holy Spirit. 
She had not had relations with any man. And I think everything that Mary saw, she just kept in her heart. And she pondered these things. I think it's interesting. We don't have time to go there. But what a story in, in the first miracle that Jesus did. Mary knew, I think, a lot more than we give her credit for. In John chapter 2, there's no mistake about it that Mary tells Jesus that they've run out of wine. Jesus replies that his hour has not yet come. If you remember, the Bible says that Jesus said, Woman, what am I to do with thee? Well, that was actually a very endearing term to call Mary woman. It, it sounds disrespectful, but it was actually in their uh, vernacular very dear term. Because Jesus' hour has not, he was not yet to be revealed as to who he was. But then she says to the servants to do whatever he tells you to do. I think that's hilarious. She, Jesus knows that his time hasn't, it's not to be revealed yet who he is, but Mary knows what power he has, and, and there's a lot of significance in that whole wedding scene. And, and Jesus says, what am I going to do with you? It's not my time. But then she says to the servants, just do whatever he tells you to do. She knew what he would do. And what a, the scriptures are so amazing. Mary knew more than we realize. And it's significant in this first miracle that it was at a wedding. But that's a whole other story. Mary pondered all these things in her heart. How often do we totally miss what God is doing? Sometimes I go through things and it's like weeks later that I realize what God was doing. Sometimes months. Can I say even sometimes years later? I look back and I think, I understand now what God was doing and all of that. I don't, a lot of times I guess we're just not as sharp as Mary, because I think Mary pondered everything in her heart, and she was figuring a lot of things out, because she took the time to consider. Scriptures are so powerful. Did you know that a single verse can change your life? What's your life story? Just to share a personal example, I was 15 years old, I was reading my Bible, it was a huge part of our youth program. Every night I would read my Bible, 15 years old, I remember it. I was interested in counseling, I was interested in the Gospels, I was interested in all the epistles of Paul to, Tim, uh, to Timothy and all the others. And I heard about a conference that I could go to at 15 years old, and I said, I want to go to that conference. I went with some adults, and God did some amazing things in my life. It's, it's where I believe a lot of my conviction started and stemmed from that conference. And I heard a man expound just so many truths. And I remember coming home and talking with my parents. I remember having a conversation with my dad one day. And I said, Dad, I'm sorry for all the dumb things and all the attitudes. And I, I remember saying, I don't know how you put up with me. At 15 years old, I was a stop, you know, at times. And I remember saying to him that I learned a lot this week, and I just, I just want to apologize for being so difficult. I can remember my parents wondering, what did they say at this conference? You know, man, 15 years we put up with this kid. And, you know, one, one weekend he comes home and he's like, you know, I was already saved, but it was almost like I was saved again, you know. 
And I, I remember my dad saying something to me because I was trying to find my life first. And my dad, you know, we had a family business and he wanted, you know, wanted us sons to take over the family business. And actually, I really enjoyed what we did. We made mattresses and box springs. We had a store. So we made them, we delivered them, and we sold them when we kept the store open. And, and I actually enjoyed it. I liked helping people find a good mattress, you know, to have the rest of their life. It was something to do with our slogan. And... But my wife and I, we were high school sweethearts. We were very active in our church. And we were um, approached one day, and the pastor asked us, he said, Rod, we need a junior high Sunday school teacher. I was in senior high. And he said, we usually only give that to an adult, but, but I just see God working in your life. And he says, I, I'd like you to consider taking that on. And, and he says, for four weeks. And the, the teachers are going to be away. And um, they, the kids have actually asked if you would come and teach them on soul winning. And I said... I would love to do that. I said, I can't believe you're asking me. And he says, I, you know, well, this is very unusual. And the, the teacher that had gone on vacation for four weeks, turns out they never, uh, they did come back, but they never come back to take the class back. And so it turned into seven years. We had the joy of teaching <laughs> this uh, group of 20 junior high kids. Uh, and then a couple years later, I was asked if I would teach the Boys' Brigade uh, youth group that we had at the time. Uh, now, it wasn't quite that size, but at one time we had 80 boys in 7th to 12th grade. It was the largest Boys' Brigade in New York State. Now, that's not when I took it over. We, we had lost some of those kids, but a couple years later, they asked if I would take over the Boys' Brigade and, and teach them every Monday night. So we were teaching twice a week. And my dad became ill. Um, we were now out of high school, um, just months. My dad became very ill. Um, Jamie and I weren't married yet, but we were engaged to be married. Uh, very young. Don't, please don't do what I'm about to tell you. Or maybe I won't tell you. <laughs> because we were very young. But we got married at 19. And my dad had come down very, very sick, wasn't able to come to the wedding. But I, we, I had a conversation with my dad in the hospital I will never forget. I'm in the process of looking for my life first. And my dad said to me, you know, son, he said, the work you're doing is a really good work. And we'd been talking about the factory and everything, and... He said, you're doing a good thing. It reminded me of something Paul wrote about a man who, uh, to, to do desire to be a bishop is a good thing. And he said, I just want you to know. He said, it's, it's okay if you want to go into ministry. And he said, I'm okay with that. He said, Actually, I, I think that would be pretty neat. And he said, I just want you to continue doing what you're doing. And I was in the process of looking for my life first. And it was very soon after that I found it. And it's in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
And I'd, I'd like you to see it. 2 Timothy is one of my favorite books. It was a, a very emotional time for us. We were getting closer and closer to the wedding. Besides, you talk about drama. Besides, my, my wife and I, most of our dates were to the hospital every week to go see my dad. Because I had worked with him in the factory and was very close to him. And, and, and my wife was really good with that. My dad thought she was the best thing since... Um, Sliced bread. I mean, he just, she was like his perfect, his choice for me if he could have chosen. And I, I could tell you a lot more about that, but there's not time. But the church that we were to get married in, which is a church we grew up in, uh, we loved the pastor, loved the church. God had taught us so much there. They were in a building program. And they were actually right at the point that the week of our wedding, they had uh, just that last month, they had invited people to come in because they had built a new building right directly behind the old building. So the new building wasn't quite ready, but the old building, they had said to people, we're going to tear it down so you can come in and take whatever you want. Doors, windows, if you need it, take it because it's going to about to be demolished. So the heating had been pulled out, the plumbing, you know, I mean, people were literally saying, seriously, and they're like, we're, we're going to destroy it. So if you, if you can, if there's something that will help you, take it. And in fact, literally, Friday night, our rehearsal, um, we were upstairs in the auditorium of the new building. We had to carry lots of hundreds of chairs in because we didn't have pews yet. They had been ordered, weren't done. There wasn't carpet in most of the building. In fact, they were laying the carpet in the fellowship hall the night of our rehearsal so that we could use that uh, the very next day. And there was so much controversy. I mean, people were like all upset. I can't believe you're doing this to the Whitney's. You, you got one building all tore apart. The other building isn't ready. And people were coming to us saying, what in the world are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't really care. <laughs> I'm getting married, you know, just, you know, I'm a guy, I, I could get married out there in the parking lot, I'd be happy, you know, I'm 19, I, I think this is the most amazing thing, I'm getting married, I, I don't care about the building, you know, now, some people did, and, uh, and so I'm trying to just balance everything, it's like everybody breathe, you know, it's my wedding, I should be upset, I'm not, I was more concerned about my dad. And what my dad said to me was like, I just felt like it was scripture just jumping off the pages. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says in verse 10, Paul's writing to Timothy, but thou hast known my doctrine, manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering, my charity, my patience persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Paul's writing this to Timothy. He says, Timothy, you've seen it all. A part of me wonders, how exactly did Timothy see all this, and how did he know all this? I mean, Paul's, I mean, his life was full of drama and full of controversy and conflict and testing. Do you remember where Paul was stoned at Lystra? 
That's where Timothy's family was from. So when Paul says to Timothy, you've seen it all, I really have a feeling he really did. In fact, sometimes I wonder if, if now this is total speculation. I, I have no idea. But in, in understanding that somehow Timothy saw all this, I sometimes wonder if it could have even been in Timothy's home where Paul was nursed back to health after he was stoned. I, I don't know. That would make sense for why Paul and Timothy had such this powerful relationship and powerful camaraderie and why Timothy would even try to follow Paul's footsteps and why Timothy had such a love for Paul. I don't know. The scriptures don't tell us. But somehow Timothy saw all this and, and Paul's saying, you've seen this all. He says in verse 12, and this part for Timothy is not necessarily the best news because Timothy one day I think will suffer too. He says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. And I think, oh my word, is Paul not kidding? Look at the mess we live in today. It wasn't only true in Timothy's life that it was going to get worse and worse, but that's been continually true today. The world is a mess. It is such a mess. Uh, you better hang on to the scriptures with everything you have and believe in the scriptures. And Paul then says to Timothy, I think if I were Timothy, I'd say, Paul, you're killing me here. I, you know, I, it's bad now. Paul says to Timothy, but continue. And that's what my dad said to me so long ago. He said, Rod, keep doing what you're doing. He says, continue. Paul said to Timothy, continue, but continue. Thou and the things thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I love that. Timothy, that's the answer. That's your hope. In a world that is coming unglued, you've seen what's happened to me a lot. And he said, but in, your, in a world that is coming unglued where men are just running away from God faster than you can imagine, the answer is in the scriptures. But continue thou. And my dad said to me, you're learning, you're growing, you're doing a good thing. He says, keep doing what you're doing. And I don't think he meant making mattresses. Although, if that's what God called me to do, I would have enjoyed it. I am, I think I'm going to quit right there. I'm about halfway done, sorry. Halfway done with part one. I have a lot more I'd love to share with you, but I think I'm going to stop right there. God is so good. The scriptures are so powerful. What I was going to go on to share with you is what my life first changed to because that's what it started out as. I used that for a long, long time. And as I go around in encouraging churches and preaching, I tell them, keep doing what you're doing. Continue. Don't get discouraged. Don't become weary. Don't give up. 
Don't think that my kids are so tough they won't listen to God. They might not for a while, but it's, it's what you better keep using. And it's what you better continue to do. Because it's not in gimmicks. It's not in all the nonsense that's out there today. It's the word of God that can penetrate their heart and to change their life. And um, I hope you let the Bible do that to you. How about this week? Can I challenge you to find a life verse? Uh, what I, in, an, in another message, I would share with you some of the ways to do that, what a life verse does uh, and how to choose it. A life verse will help you get through a life crisis. And, uh, would you work on that, would you? Would you look for a passage that you could take to the bank and, and own as, as what God is doing in your life and make it your life first and then use it to share Christ with others? Um, that's so important. Father.